Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, and welcome to the kickoff. Kind of. Sort of. Ish. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I'm still here. Joining me, as per usual, the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. Remember a time you could go a week without having to worry about players getting arrested, strange dreams, and executive producers? Pepperidge Farm remembers. I forgot which I forgot what the new nickname I used for you, Jason. Well, I, honestly, I, I, I know I think I'm gonna say only thing I'm gonna say is she wanted the D, so I gave her the diabetes. Rest in peace, Wilford. <laughs> and the co-host turned executive first. Stop the tape. Nope. Not here. Joining us, special guest co-host, Rachel Krieger. Hello, football people. Nice to meet you. Air quotes on yes, the folks, if you remember, way, way back in the day, she knows this football too. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're used to hearing her on football to the max. Not this kind of football. All right, anyways. So before we get started on our actual show tonight, we are running on something of an abbreviated format. We will be returning to the greatest of all teams with our next broadcast. However, we are going to be doing a news and notes show this week because there's been a lot of stuff to come out recently, a lot of news that has been sitting heavy on Eric's mind. And as such, Anchorman Watkins is going to take over the reins of control for the news and notes style show that we're going to run shortly. However, it is with a heavy heart. <laughs> However, it is with a heavy heart that I must open tonight's show. For those of you that know, for those of you that have been listening to the kickoff for any extended length of time, you know that my other passion in this world is professional wrestling. I have been a pro wrestling commentator since 2011, and I have been watching it since way before that. In my process of becoming a professional wrestling commentator, I have worked for many companies. One of the earliest of which was a company named Real Action Wrestling based out of Barberton, Ohio, where I met a young man named Stevie Edwards. A few months into my career as a professional broadcaster in the world of professional wrestling, Stevie Edwards suffered a career-ending injury and ended up becoming an on-screen performer as both a fellow commentator for myself as well as an on-screen authority figure as well for Real Action Pro Wrestling. The pro was eventually added from Real Action Wrestling. I remember, and I talked about this on my Facebook, that the very first time that I called Aftermath, Justin Vondros, lawn dart, where he lifts you up onto his shoulders and throws you face first into the turnbuckles, the first time I called his lawn dart, the career killer, it was because of the fact that it was that move that ended Stevie Edwards' in-ring career for a while. And Edwards was sitting on commentary with me when I did so, and he proceeded to bust my balls 
for the next 10 minutes. Afterwards, once the microphones were turned off for the segment, Edwards looks to me and goes, I got a bit, man, that was actually pretty funny. And it was with his permission that I continued to call that move that. There is a reason that I bring this story of full circleness to the kickoff tonight. Stevie Edwards was better known in this circle where I'm from and in the Pittsburgh area as DJ Fish, Steve Fish. And for weeks, we've been discussing the effects of the coronavirus on this show. We've been discussing how it has personally affected us. We have been discussing its effect on the world of sports in general. But this is the first time that this disease has hit as close to home as it has. My buddy, Steve Fish, who, as I mentioned, I knew professionally as Steve Edwards, had a kidney transplant when he was 21 years old because he was in kidney failure which made him especially susceptible to catching this disease. He did end up catching this disease. And on Tuesday, May 12th, into the morning of Wednesday, May 13th, Steve Fish lost his battle with COVID-19. I have known many a person inside of the professional wrestling business who I would not trust as far as I would throw them. Stevie Edwards, Steve Fish, the person, was an absolute ball buster, but he was one of the most genuine dudes that you could ever meet. You could go from being pissed off at him one moment to laughing hysterically at something he had said the next. To the family of Steve Fish, my thoughts are with you. My best prayers are with you. To our listeners, I don't try to make this a religious show, but to whatever form you believe in, to whomever you send your thoughts and prayers out to, please say a prayer for the family of Steve Fish tonight. Rest in peace, Steve. They didn't make them like you very often, brother. Godspeed. If I had my sound effects board that I have on the reaction right now, I would be putting my 10 bell salute up. Unfortunately, I don't have my sound board there. So therefore, in honor of fish, Rachel, I'm going to need you to count me in here, okay? I'm going to ask for five seconds of silence. Miss you, buddy. Take care. Fly high. All right. So sorry to bring the show up. Sorry to bring the show off on a down note, but something that had been weighing heavy on me the last couple of days. You guys, you guys know what I've been dealing with. You guys have seen the interactions between a lot of my friends and I over on my page. You guys have seen the interactions from all of the heartbroken members of Steve's friends and family that, that know what he fought through. Fish fought for more than a month with this disease. All right. 
you will not be hearing any further Corona jokes from me on this show. I know, Brandon, I know Brandon's got the Rona had been a running gag on this show because we were doing video chats and he would constantly be coughing. You will not hear that again from me on this show because this disease just became very real to me. And I would mm-hmm. not wish the way I feel about the loss of my friend on anyone. Eric, for the news and notes portion of this show, the floor is yours, anchor man. Like I said, stay classy, W2M. I actually have a good prompter this time. Okay. Stay so classy, thing- Diego. <laughs> To start things off, this was a subject that is especially more near and dear to my heart that I kind of teased about as we were going through the news and notes for the first episode of Greatest of All Teams. Some would call it a feeder system. Others, like myself, would call it a fantastic league. Still others called it filler for between NFL seasons. Yes, from the great white north itself, the Canadian Football League. Well, unfortunately, Canada has been hit just about as hard as everyone else with the coronavirus. And while the NFL can still survive, the CFL is in major, major trouble. The Commissioner Randy Ambrosi went to the federal government in Ottawa with a bit of a third down gamble of his own, asking for $150 million of federal aid. While there is yet to be an official announcement, sources, even from Ambrosi and those close to him, have said the CFL season for 2020 is all but canceled. Yes, they don't technically start until right around Canada Day, which is the 1st of June. They were looking for a little bit of an earlier start this year, June 11th. But with the way that things are going on, they haven't had the feasibility to conduct their amateur draft. Canadian draft, anything else, just like we have in the NFL. The bad news is, just a short time from talking about expansion, resurrecting the great Atlantic schooners, now the league, which has been an institution for about a century and a half, and has the second oldest trophy continuously competed for in North America, the Grey Cup, could be disappearing, or at the very least, hanging on just by a thread. Now, I'm one to brag about my Ottawa Red Blacks, how the hell they let Trevor Harris walk in free agency. No idea. Not bitter. Not going to question it. It's it's because you're black, isn't it, Eric? Look, look, again, Henry Burrs was the absolute man, took us from 2-14 to the Grey Cup, and I'm like, hey, toss the keys to Trevor. He's a beast. I approve. Hank approved. Off into the sunset. Everything was all well and good. Then I see him goes under center for Edmonton. And I was like, okay, when did this? Wait, wait no, no. <sighs> it's just a level of pain. But anyways... If the CFL does go, I, for one, am going to be very disappointed because, like I said, I'm one of the main people who, a lot of times when the ESPN covers it during the summer and going into the NFL preseason, I'm always one to watch and follow the league. I, even though I didn't have an HDTV back then, 
I listened to the audio of the famous Grey Cup in 2003. The first one to go to overtime since 1961. Boy, that was a hell of a game. So I know I'm going to miss it, and I'm curious about what everyone else thinks. Let's let the newcomers start, Rachel. Um, to be quite honest with everyone, I'm not as well versed in the CFL as I would like to be. Um, as you've mentioned, I'm more on the football side of it. But now that I'm here at the kickoff, I should probably brush up a little bit. But, um, you know, you definitely don't ever want to see a league end, especially, you know, I think leagues in Canada are kind of on the up and up and growing. And I think more leagues in Canada, the better. So just kind of hoping for the best and and not wanting to see another league fall to a demise that doesn't really have uh, a lot of, I guess, backbone behind it. Uh, Rachel, you don't have to worry about anything. I don't pay attention to Eric half the time. And, and um, you know, he's probably the only black guy that likes can- Canadian football unless they're playing up there. So, um, Which is a surprising number, actually. So, yeah, so um, just to piggyback off that, you know, uh, I hate to see, I don't want to see the CFL go strictly because it does give an outlet uh, for players that's not, that's on that fringe that can't cut it in the NFL, that's not the cream of the crop, but still has athletic talent, gives them an outlet where they can go and further their career. And maybe, you know, even though it is a long shot, pull a Kurt Warner and, you know, and uh, end up back into the, um, into the NFL and have a successful NFL career while after honing their skills for just a few more years. So, yeah, I mean, with everything that we're hearing about the, the upstart leagues that have already folded, uh, a established league like the uh, CFL folding is kind of disheartening, especially with all the rich tradition and everything, but some of the players and matchups that you've seen in the CFL. So, yeah, I mean, any, any, any league, Coming uh, coming under financial hardships and having to face uh, its demise is something that, you know, that is disheartening. But hopefully they can bounce back and maybe, you know, just um, recoup after a year and just, you know, just suspend, suspend the league rather than actually canceling it. Which is similar to what happened to the Arena Football League, and that was going to be one of the points that I brought up with the Arena Football League's previous shutdown and return to formation, even under a significantly lessened extent. I think the American fan base is starting to get more into the CFL now that ESPN has been broadcasting the games nationally here. So you start to get more of a taste for what the CFL is all about here in the offseason of American football. That being said, Jason mentioned arguably the biggest alumni to come out of the CFL in Kurt Warner. Well, as a Buffalo Bills fan, I have another CFL alumni who I'm particularly partial to in Doug Flutie. Flutie Flakes. So the opportunity for these players to have, as the old cliche goes, air and opportunity. The open air and the opportunity to still prove that they can perform at the highest level of football it being taken away from them, even with the losses of the XFL, the Arena Football League, and the American Alliance of Football over the course of the last couple of weeks, or, oh, excuse me, over the course of the last couple of years, has been a significant downturn in the state of football in general in North America, and a, a sign of the times as well that 
with everything going on in our current climate, leagues are finding it harder and harder to find sustainability. Absolutely. And the major thing of why Ambrosi was going and asking for aid is because, believe it or not, while we here in the NFL are looking at multi-billion dollar television contracts, the main thing that for the CFL is it's not the TV contracts with ESPN or even with TSN in Canada. It's ticket sales. It's game day revenue. So I hope that Justin Trudeau, in his wisdom, finds some kind of way to at least keep the league going. So if they do wind up just suspending or canceling this season, they can come back in 2021. But I do have a minor correction. Kurt Warner never played in Canada. And I can think of an even bigger name to come out of Canada and have an even more amazing NFL career. Does the name Warren Moon ring a bell? He was black. He was a black guy. Help, helpful, Jason. That, yes. That, 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 I could have sworn that. So Warner was the Arena Football League then. Was he Correct. arena? I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was see, a I was Canadian. Right, I was right there with you. I thought he played in the Canadian Football League as well. Nope, he did not. After I, University of Iowa, he was, is again, one of only two quarterbacks to lose consecutive arena bowls with the Iowa Barnstormers, then went to the then St. Louis Rams. But Warren Moon, undrafted out of the University of Washington, despite an incredible performance in the 1978 Rose Bowl. So wait a minute. Five seasons. You're telling me Jacob Eason got drafted and Warren Moon didn't? Absolutely correct. They told, they, they told Warren Moon, basically, you ain't coming here. Have fun in Canada. Five, years with, five years with the Edmonton Eskimos, 21,000 yards, and five great cups later, finally the Houston Oilers went ahead and took a shot. <laughs> well, I, I, stand by my, I stand by my fandom of Doug Flutie. And to answer your question, J, uh, Jason, yes, I do actually have a box of Flutie flights in my apartment. I, that does not surprise me. It's like, did, didn't they bring those back for a while? They yes. did, but they did. But the one that I have is Flutie in his Bills jersey. Well, all I'm going to say is there is a really I did not. Why is it saying him? Uh, there, there might be somebody that we're not even we're overlooking that might actually uh, shadow Warren Moon. Joe Theismann, Jeff Garcia. Yes, I did not know Theismann played. Yeah, he. I did not know uh, Theismann played. I was. Mm-hmm. He was an argonaut. What yeah. you guys are listening to at home right now is Jason's firsthand knowledge of Google food. <laughs> hey, y'all can kiss my ass. I'll fire. I'll fire you two next. <laughs> All right, Eric. Yes, and- and if you're looking to be another replacement co-host, uh, go to at Turkoglu822 on Twitter. But don't be surprised if he'll tell you to go fuck yourself. So if That's Jason right. if Jason fires you guys, is the show basically just going to be him and I yelling about Pitt in West Virginia? <laughs> yeah, so yes. it'll, just be, it'll just be like when Steven was on the show. <laughs>
the darkest timeline is back upon us. Or or <laughs> currently or currently Bisco. <laughs> the views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily son of a bitch. <laughs> Eric. Second scene. Well, okay. Uh, I'm going to tease this a little bit because well, unfortunately, it's bad news for Bills fans. Uh, secondary ticket prices. So if there is a season, you know how much you'll have to pay to get into tickets for games. Bills fans, um, yeah. Even the your reputation of flying through tables and sitting in insane, bitter, cold, and wind does not help you from escaping this basement. $179. You're the lowest in the league. Okay, but here's the thing, here's the thing though. Now they're giving us multiple nationally televised games this year up in Buffalo, and I guarantee you, ain't not a damn one of those tickets going to be available. Those motherfuckers did it to me again, Eric. They put the Bill Steelers game on Sunday Night Football. At least this time they had the decency to put it, announce it in advance. This is what I'm saying. Now you know not to plan certain things. Although, and I'm going to stop right there. I'm, I'm going to plan something right now. Yeah, I saw you celebrate there, Rachel. Scoreboard. We'll, we'll chat in Buffalo December. 20, Buffalo 23, Pittsburgh 17. Mm. Hey, Harry. Jacksonville 10, Buffalo 3. Oh! <laughs> Jacksonville three. That's how many wins they had last season. I actually, I have a very fond, like, I, I love Buffalo. I love everything about Buffalo. And my first ever Steelers game was, um, what, what, is, what is the name of the stadium? Ralph Wilson. I, it was at Ralph Wilson Stadium. It was that game, like, I think it was like 2012 or 2013 when Sean, I know Sean Sweezum kicked a game winning field goal. That's all I remember. I was hoping that. Real quick, Jason, is that the one that Stevie Johnson dropped the ball that hit him between the one and the eight in overtime? Yeah, fuck Stevie Johnson. I was hoping she was going to say, I was at the game where the dildo got thrown on the field and it was me. And I was going to go, yes, you just scored cool cool points with me. No, that would (laughs) have been when we were playing New England because that dildo was thrown at Tom Brady. I'm like 90% sure. Um, Buffalo actually has a very... Despite the fact that the Bills Mafia can be amongst the rowdiest of NFL fan bases, we actually have a very good reputation with fans of outside teams, specifically a Pittsburgh rival in the Cleveland Browns. Did you know about the Buffalo-Cleveland relationship, Rachel? I did not. During the time that the Browns were moved to Baltimore, so from 1995 to 1999 when the team came back into the league, Ralph Wilson said that any Cleveland Browns season ticket holder that could show proof of purchase for their season ticket plan for the 1995 season that was lost in Cleveland would be admitted to a Bills game of their choice for free. That's awesome. So the Wilson family has a very strong reputation with the other teams in the NFL. Wilson was one of the most loved owners in the NFL. Not not to get off on a tangent of any sorts, but Bills fans and like the Bills Mafia are truly awesome like they are rowdy but they're not like they're not assholes they're not like 
Am I allowed yeah. to? Am I allowed to name drop teams on this show? They're not like Patriots fans, and they're not like Eagles fans. They're not like our team or die. But like Bills fans, I mean, it's fun watching them jump through tables. <laughs> Sorry, did you hear about the Dallas games? They're going to be broadcast on the History Channel now because all they do is talk about the past. <laughs> same thing with Steelers. Same thing with Steelers fans, but we won't go into that. Yeah, but their secondary tickets are going for more money. Now, granted, it's not Las Vegas Raiders 500 bucks, or otherwise you can't get in the door money. But oh, still- hey, I bought, I, bought two, I bought two lower level tickets to watch the Giants this year for $200 earlier today. Let's, so I'm happy. Let's talk about the elephant in the room with that Las Vegas Raiders thing, though. You damn well know that most of those tickets were bought up by casinos to give to sales. Yeah, those are comp tickets. Well, duh, I mean, hell, they got to pay for, like, hotel tax and other things. They got to make money somehow. I completely understand that. But, I mean, the high and mighty Patriots, their secondary values have crashed through the floor. They're towards the middle of the pack. (laughs) I would argue that it's a significant uptick in Tampa Bay this year. Me and my buddy Kyle... Me and my buddy Kyle, who is a New England fan, but he's one of the tolerable New England fans most of the time. We're actually talking about this here, and it makes sense from a Tampa Bay perspective to sign Brady here. They're not expecting Brady to win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. They did this for the public relations boost. They did this to put their name back in terms of relevancy in the National Football League, which they have not been. since They got curb stomped by Oakland in the Super Bowl back in the early 2000s. Well, I mean, and you got to look. Um, I think the the fact that they the real reason why they signed Brady was, you know, everyone goes to Florida to retire anyway, so they was just giving him a head start. Facts. So, this is, so this is true. I mean, this is very true. Not to mention, have you tried sitting in the new sombrero uh, in the middle of August during a daytime kickoff? Yeah. Um. No. <laughs> See, this is this is what I'm going to be concerned about, and Eric, this is going to be a squid, a squid pick, for you. Over under, who has oh, who has pick. who has more fans in the stadium, Vegas or the Chargers? Oh, oh. Well, can I just point out that that Oak, that that Las Vegas state I almost called him Oakland out of habit that that Las Vegas stadium looks like a gigantic freaking toilet. Okay, are we talking cumulative like all together? Are we talking average per game? Or are we looking at chunks in the season? Because I'm going to say both of them is going to be fairly empty stadiums. I'm going um, to agree with that. Because one, one, I think the Chargers will be over. The Chargers will have more fans, especially later in the season. Rachel, you want to chime in? Or you? I'm extremely against expansion, like not expansion, but like moving teams. I don't know why. There's no math. There's no science behind it. I just hate the idea of moving a team. Um, so I hope they both don't have a lot of fans. Well, I mean, the Chargers had one of the lowest fan totals um, in the past two seasons, and then they turn around and build that stadium and then turn around and ask for more money to complete the stadium, which is uh, 
uh, you know, a bonus, a bonus tidbit there. The, yeah, they asked for another five hundred million dollars, I believe it was, to finish the stadium out because it cannot be completed. So yeah, that's there's that. So I think I think the Vegas thing. That's <laughs> And well, I think I the Vegas say- deal, I think the Vegas deal is like, you know, me and you said, Harry, it's going to be a lot of comp tickets. So you're not really going to see the older demographic that are the high rollers in Vegas that are getting these tickets comp going to a, a uh, NFL game. See, I'm going to disagree with that. And I think you will. And here's why. Because a lot of times, especially for people that are huge gamblers and stuff, they probably have money riding on these games, and they're going to want to watch it play out in front of them. And you're going to have in-stadium access to different sports books. Plus, with your diehards from Oakland, they will go ahead and make the four-hour trip east to go ahead and see their team. Whereas your diehards from San Diego were pretty much going to give Spanos and everyone in that front office um, the finger. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those diehards in San Diego just became Indianapolis Colts fans this past offseason. Some of them. <laughs> Take three, Eric. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of lump these together. Because uh, it's not going to be not such a golden state and really in a wide spectrum of college football. With these times of uncertainty, as we've talked about many, many times on this show, we know the Power Five are going to reign supreme. Well, so over the Power Five, you have had discussions from the SEC, the Big Ten, and most recently, the Pac-12 all say, if we have to go on our own for football scheduling, we absolutely will and will play conference-only games. The Pac-12 even specifically saying, we will have a full 11-game round robin without anybody else. Now... We know that there's a good chunk of those Pac-12 teams in California. We know California's going through some issues. So with sports alike, with leagues like the CFL saying we may not be able to hold a season, with schools already dropping football and other programs, now Division II Florida Tech saying without this, we can't afford football, goodbye program. The Division II California Collegiate Athletic Conference has said they're not going to hold any false sports whatsoever this upcoming year. Uh, that's along with what the Cal State University system is doing by saying we're going to be online only in our 23 schools for the fall, including Fresno State, San Jose State, San Diego State, and a couple of other teams. So the entirety it, of the Mountain West delegation from California. Correct. And a couple D2 teams, or correction, a couple FCS teams as well. They're now in jeopardy. You've got the Pac-12 in a mess. 
all these other schools. So if we do wind up having football, it's going to be entirely different at a minimum. All right, so they've heard our thoughts on everything that's been going on with this whole situation, Rachel. You're the you're the guest this week. You haven't really had a chance to reach our audience with your viewpoints here. Do you honestly think that we'll see sports return to anything resembling the normal that we knew going into this year? This year? No. No, absolutely not. I don't think so. Um, I even think that right now, and I know that, like, you know, I'm in a hot spot in PA where, you know, there's so much argument about whether to reopen stuff and whatnot, and not to get into politics or anything, but I think that it might be a little premature already, some of the decisions being made. Um, listen, I don't have a job. I'm not working right now. I hate it. It sucks. And I would love for everything to go back to normal, but that's just not how it works. Um, so I think that when it comes to sports, I think that college is super dynamic. And I think it's really just like interesting because, you know, there are some leagues and teams saying oh we're gonna go um as i'm sure eric knows mls is like hey we might go to uh orlando and play everybody there but with college you can't really do that because of classes and and all kinds of other stuff like they need to be on their campuses and do these trips every once in a while to these uh to these opposing places you can't just pick everybody up from a bunch of colleges take them away from their classes and everything and say we're going to put you in Orlando or New Hampshire or Iowa for a month or two months because it, it just wouldn't work. So I think college is super dynamic, but in general for sports, I don't think it's going to go back to normal. I think that in regard to media, I think they're going to have to, I hate, I hate to say limit the media, but that might be what they have to do. So I'm intrigued to see what happens, um, even in regard to things like, are they going to put artificial stadium noise in? Like, over in Germany, there are fans for Bundesliga clubs putting cardboard cutouts of themselves into the stadium. I can't see that happening in the United States, to be quite honest with you. But, you know, I don't think we're going to have fans in the stands at all this season. Jason, as we get closer and closer to the NFL calendar season, do you think we see anything resembling a normal NFL schedule this year, or for college football for that matter? <laughs> Unmute your microphone, Jason. All right, what's going on here? We're having some I'm technical on my screen where I still see the mute button. Yeah, Jason's muted, and I'm your freaking mic, Teasley. Oh, he just mouthed, I'm trying. I think he's having a technical difficulty. All righty. Well, co owner of the company can't figure out how to work a computer. No, it's yeah. the wife. <laughs> All right back God damn. all right I'll, I'll ask again and i'll try to answer do you think we see anything resembling a normal college and nfl schedule this season easy for me to say uh college wise no i think you're going to see a predominantly um conference only schedule um 
which will will be real interesting because that would give the NCAA some ammunition to um, go ahead and do that whole um, big playoff uh, bit that they're talking about that everybody keeps pushing for. NFL-wise, I think we're going to see a full NFL season, at least. Uh, and I really feel that that's going to be possible because uh, things are opening up. I think 22 teams have get, been given the green light to go ahead and resume um, activities at their facilities and everything. So uh, I think we're going to have a short OTA. I don't think we're going to have a preseason. I think we might have two preseason games, and then we're going to start right into the regular season. I'm expecting more scrimmages than preseason games, if I'm being entirely honest, because teams aren't going to want to risk injury under a shortened schedule. In regards to the uh, NFL giving permission to the teams, the NFL has come out and said that it is up to the individual states as to how they will allow their teams to proceed going forward. However, the NFL has no qualms about allowing teams that – have that the states have lifted the restrictions in order to cap in order to practice together. I have a problem with that because I think that that gives a competitive disadvantage to the states that have been harder hit by this particular virus, such as the Bills, the Giants, the Jets up in New York, where the, the state is still suffering major casualties. Well, um, the Giants and Jets can actually bypass that because they're technically in New Jersey. But New Jersey is still pretty hard hit. Yeah, but Buffalo. I mean, you can you can circumnavigate that, and or you know, look at a team like New England uh, in New Orleans. Both of them, you know, because I have firsthand knowledge of this. Uh, New Orleans and New Orleans, uh, the Texans and the Patriots all have came to the Greenbrier here in West Virginia and held two week mini camps. Um, so. I mean, you can actually, I don't think you're hampered by that because you could actually talk to a state that is open and go and, and set up a here, and you would be right on par with everyone else. Well, I heard that there was talk that the University of Florida was actually opening up its facilities to any professional sports team that would wish to use them. I am glad that you said that because that's exactly what Governor DeSantis said just a couple days ago. He said, hey, we've got a stadium in Gainesville. They're not doing anything on Sundays. If a team wants to play there, let's work something out. Well, I think the University of Florida is looking at all the revenue that could potentially be lost through those Gator home games in the swamp this year and is trying to counterbalance it by renting out their facilities to other teams. Because, I mean, you could have, oh, and, Ben Hill Griffin, you could have the Citrus Bowl. I mean, hell, well, actually have here. some half-decent teams come to Jacksonville when we're not hosting games, just saying. Okay, real quick, Eric. I need you to reset. I need you to restart your camera because you are completely frozen. Um, okay, in regards, am I unfrozen now? I don't. <laughs> no, I don't see any motion on your camera. Uh, it might be he's back. All okay. right. All right. So, but what I was going to say here is, it's not only the. I don't think it's only the NFL that the University of Florida is reaching out to. However, because um, you got to think, Florida just built a new basketball stadium as well for the uh, for the men's basket the men's and women's basketball team 
They just recently named it Billy Donovan Court there. You got to think with the state of art facilities for basketball as well, that the, the Gators are going to reach out to NBA teams that are maybe hesitant to play in the cities where they're from if their areas are especially hard hit by this particular virus. Uh, yes and no. It would be a secondary option, but Disney World with the wide world of sports complex in Orlando already beat them to the punch. And again, Disney World's best known for hosting WCW taping. So do they really want that on everybody's conscience? Well, also, you got to look um, what also may, you know, this just came uh, into my head. Uh, you got stadiums such as the Liberty Bowl uh, that can also host games and stuff that, you know, you might be able to limit your fan base that's in there, but teams that are uh, in proximity and can use these stadiums that, you know, just quote unquote get used for bowl games, you know, you do have that option to, to play games there. I mean, I think we're still getting a full NFL season, and I sure hope so because I really want to go watch the Giants kick the piss out of the Bengals after Thanksgiving. But um, so I think I think yes and no to answer your question honestly, Harry. I think we're going to see a full NFL season, but I think the geographically it will be different. Okay, real quick here, I just want to give a, a, a quick example to our special guest co-host as far as how things work around here. Um, the format that we're doing with Eric discussing the new story and then me spinning a question out of it, that would basically be I've got a question in a nutshell. Oh, noted. And you, said nut. you said Eric and Nut. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, have, I feel like I there's have- I have to wait until things open back up fully. And again, this fine plea for future shenanigans is brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC. I'll help you learn. Never mind what comes afterwards. I believe the only thing that I can officially say to Jason at this moment is shut up, Bevis. No, I was I was waiting I was waiting for the family show. I I, I tossed you a softball and you failed me, Eric. No, no, no. We're, we're we're leaving the family shows out of it for now. Although Eric's shenanigans will be kept to a minimum going forward for the rest of this podcast. Right. Yes, I'm looking at you. All I'm saying, Rachel already knows some things. So that's yeah, so do our listeners, and therein lies the problem. And most of them are in therapy right now. Especially if they tried to access his dark Twitter. Anyway, uh, and look, all four of our listeners have have synced therapy because of you, Eric. Sometimes, if I if I wake up in the middle of the night, I think, I wonder what shenanigan Eric is getting up to. I wonder what shenanigan Eric is thinking of right now. I wonder what shenanigan Eric is planning. Oh, and I've got. Couple of good ones in the works. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Before I say what I'm about to say, I'm going to family show myself. I do not want to hear the words Eric and getting up in the same sentence again on this podcast. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. I'll censor there, myself. There <laughs> all right, Eric, take four. Okay, the penultimate story, which 
Had it not been for the activities of a couple of cornerbacks, would have been yeah. the main point. And, and, <laughs> and I'm doing this now. The Rooney rule. Um, as Jason likes to point out, I happen to be black. So You don't funny. say. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yes, it's true. All of those rumors, the big hair and everything else wasn't a lie. It's real. <laughs> so I so thought she was just I thought she was just high yellow. No, no. That that's just because I haven't been uh, going outside as much lately. Okay, okay. <laughs> he does have exceptionally flawless skin. You do know that black don't crack. Continue, Eric. Not to mention, there are plenty of other uses that I've discovered for baby oil. Sometimes good ones, but I digress. Family show. <laughs> there you go, Jason. There we go. We're we're, we're back on track. <laughs> So, to put the Rooney rule in a nutshell, if you are going through the hiring process of a new head coach or general manager or any other coaching staff or executive, by the Rooney rule, you are required to legitimately, seriously interview at least one minority candidate before you make your official decision. Now, there's been a whole bunch of issues as far as teams promoting in-house, working around this, et cetera, et cetera, leading to a lack of minority coaches overall in the league, even more so with executives. While I get and appreciate the initiative to fix the problem and have this a more fair ratio, what the NFL is proposing to vote on, I'm going to flat out say is stupid. These suggestions are, for a head coach, if you hire a person of color as a head coach, if you keep them for a season, going into their second season, you will be able to draft six places higher than you normally would in the third round. If you hire a general manager, that's 10 places. If you hire both in the same year, that's 16 places. So as is, you could go from the third round all the way to the middle of the second round. And there's all other provisions, including compensatory picks for court coaching positions at significant levels like a quarterback coach. If they leave for a head coaching position, that's a compensatory third round pick instead of a fourth round pick. If the coach sticks around for a second season, then going into their third season, you get a compensatory fourth round pick or fifth round pick. A lot of different things going on. Again, to me, this is the exact opposite thing that the league could be doing. I have no idea why this is even up for a vote, because not only will this be completely subverted, you're not going to get the true candidates hired at places because of drafting strategy and for those that want to go ahead and draft higher for whatever reason in the future, you're going to get people that are going to be incredibly unqualified and create more of a coach mess in the NFL at all. So what you're telling me is yet another glaring example of Roger Goodell's incompetence. Bingo. 
Here's the problem with this here, and we kind of had a brief discussion about this when Eric broke the discussion of the Rooney Rule inside of the kickoff chat earlier today because I genuinely he he sent the uh, he sent me the link to the article, Jason. Yeah, but I'm the one that brought it up. Eric just supported the fact. All right. Well, mm-hmm. the point being here is that what's going to happen, and we were talking about this inside of the group chat, is that it's going to lead to a lot of people who are not qualified to have any kind of a coaching job in the NFL getting a coaching job in the NFL. There are certain players who I would have absolutely no issues taking coaching jobs at various positions in the NFL. For example, one of the men who we were going to talk about tonight, we'll talk about him when we do Greatest of All Teams Part 2, either later this weekend or next week. Ed Reed, safety, Baltimore, got a secondary coach's job with the Buffalo Bills back in 2016 under his former coach, Rex Ryan, who was with the Jets. Ed Reed is a perfect example of somebody who should be a coach in the NFL because Ed Reed is one of the best court, is one of the best safeties to ever play the game. And where did he play in college? The uh, U. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't going to give him that, but yeah, I guess you're welcome for Jason. So, but anyways, my point being here is that you have players that are perfectly qualified for these spots. But what's going to happen is, is you're going to see significantly fewer college from the coaching ranks in college where the coaches are much more deserving of that elevated next step than you are going to see players getting hired for, for secondary roles on teams just because it will eventually boost the team's draft stock. Take a look at what's happening real quick. I saw you about to speak up there, Jason, and I apologize for cutting you off. But take a look at what's happening in Carolina right now with Matt Rule getting the job out of Baylor this year in Carolina. If this Rooney Rule had been announced before the Matt Rule hiring, I can almost guarantee that Matt Rule would still be the coach at Baylor this year. My biggest glaring issue with this is something that me and Eric will talk about. We was actually going to cover this on our initial um, thing, our initial show of the Black Irish podcast, because it is a it is a controversial topic, and you know, and people can misconstrue the way that you work things, and they can take take things out there. Uh, first and foremost, I think the Rooney Rule was a a good rule in concept only. Um, I think. Because a lot of teams abuse that because of the, how it is worded and structured laid out, uh, that you have to hire a person of color for a job. You have to interview them. Not, and a lot of, a lot of well-deserving uh, coaches were being interviewed, but the, coach was, the coaching decision was made, and they was brought in simply just to conform to the Rooney Rule. Uh, I think I think this creates an even larger glaring thing because you're going to get teams that are going to going to circumnavigate navigate and going to abuse the rule just to get a higher draft pick. But what happens when every team does that? How are you going to compensate every team when you're 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 doing that just to sir just to uh, just, just to do that. So my glaring issue is I think the Rooney Rule in theory is great, but I think uh, I'm going to and I'm going to call out a certain owner that you know that is um, blatantly 
out of his mind and probably hampers one of the most historic franchises in the NFL. And I hate to give this franchise credit, but Jerry Jones, he brings people in just to conform. He knows who he wants. He's not going to hire somebody. He's not going to hire somebody that he doesn't want. And he just like this last season, everybody was looking for him to go a totally different direction than what he did. I mean, by by the people he he interviewed, that 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 job should have went somewhere else. Jerry Jones had his mind made up before he interviewed the first person. Everybody knew everybody knew who he was hiring. It was no secret NFL, but he's going on somebody. But, um, okay, it's silenced out. It's not so bad now. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the issue with that is, in hindsight, the rule is good. But I think teams are going to manipulate the rule to uh, conform to it just to be in compliance. Yeah, what's going to end up happening here, and then I'll get we'll get Rachel's thoughts real quick here. What's going to happen is, is we're going to go from facilitation to this role, of this role, where teams were just playing lip service to it by bringing in somebody at random in order to say that they did it, to exploitation of the role and teams trying to use an entire draft draft strategy based on the fact that they can improve their positioning in certain rounds of the draft by simply hiring people who may not be qualified for the positions that they're being hired for. Rachel, your thoughts on the Rooney role? I think that I don't know if there's too much that I can add because I think Jason pretty much hit it all in the head. I mean, I think it's a good role. I think it's, you know, better in theory. And I think that when all of these teams see that these little, I guess, rewards is a good word for complying with it. You know, it just gets to the point of what's going to happen if everyone starts to, you know, I guess, take advantage of it. So I'm intrigued to see. What happens with this? I think the Rooney rule is fine as it is. I think that there are definitely some teams who try to, you know, bypass it. But, you know, there's only so much you can do to uh, enforce it. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's a rule where you can, like, threaten draft picks or something. Like, oh, if you don't, if you don't comply, we're taking this away and we're taking that away. So I think that it'll be interesting to see the enforcement of a potential Rooney rule 2.0. Go ahead, Eric. You had something to add. Right. And for everything that Jason and Rachel like both added, and there was another article when like discussing this rule that was very pertinent. What about not just for those that take advantage of it to help themselves, but those that take advantage of it to hinder their opponents? Look at someone like Eric Bieniemy. Offensive coordinator in Kansas City. Could he be deserving, or at least should he get a legitimate shot at a head coaching job? I would say yes. But what if, like, a Denver or even a Los Angeles decide, you know what? We not only want to have that draft pick, but if we can't get it, we don't want to help other teams get it. So what are they not going to do? They're not going to go ahead and hire him just so that impacts both their draft strategy 
and anyone else potentially around him. So Bienemy goes from a perfect candidate, another one under the Reed coaching tree who should be next up somewhere to if he decides to leave Kansas City, he could potentially just be circling the drain, circling the drain, and all of a sudden what could have been a promising career is ruined just out of either greed, sheer stupidity, you name it. It's just going to become another case of exploitation of the rules, just like we saw last year with the timeout rule becoming such a big talking point with both uh, Bill Belichick and Mike Rabel down in Tennessee taking advantage of it respective games this season. It's going to become a situation of, rather than it being an in-game situation such as that was, it's going to be an example of teams trying to stack up people in order to play the long game and get elevated draft picks to help their franchises going forward instead. Exactly. So for something like this, this could go horribly, horribly wrong. And this is my biggest, my, this is one of the biggest things that I'm going to throw out there. Uh, you have 32 teams. If every, what if teams start quote unquote making positions available to conform to the new Rooney Rule 2.0, how are you, like I asked earlier, how are you going to better a draft position if everybody in the NFL is doing it? Where do you draw the line? Exactly. It goes to the point to where it would just be moot. And then there would be even more chaos with the draft. All right. So before we get into our final news story here, I think we kind of need to make this a recurring theme for this off season, Eric. You know what that is? Yes. <laughs> we need to start telling these NFL players to get it together. Yeah. Um. Earl Thomas, here's looking at you from last week. And I'm sure that everybody who heard our discussion on that last time knows exactly what the hell we're talking about. We are not going to go into that again because, again, family show. But you know what we mean when we say the name Earl Thomas now. And it's not him flipping the bird as he's getting carted off the field in Seattle. Tag team back again. Check your rectum. Let's begin. Party on, party people. Oh. Uh, Okay, once Eric gets over his popping, because you just completely destroyed any sense of decorum that Eric had right there. Eric, that's bad enough in a personal setting. Now we got players being downright criminal. Yeah, first of all, decorum? What's that? May I have some decorum, please? <laughs> Missed my wrestling sound effects board. Continue, Eric. Second of all, I get being in Florida, being a Florida man, I get we're home of the crazy people and we do a lot of crazy things. I happen to contribute my fair share and will probably do even more so as I am now heading into what could be the glory years of my mid-30s. I don't deny this. But when you have a position of prestige... You really have to know your limits. DeAndre Baker of the Giants, Quentin Dunbar, now the Seahawks. They apparently forgot that little rule. Wait, it's real quick, bad Eric. Enough, 
Hmm? Real quick, Eric. Same as we did last week, we have to say allegedly here as to not open ourselves to law. Yeah, I, I, I'm owning this show. I don't need I don't need to over that shit. Yeah. So allegedly, there were as well as it was an argument that ensued, and there were some high stakes card games. So the dynamic duo allegedly, because of this, lost. Excuse me, over $70,000 in gambling. Normally, if you have a gambling debt, you try to pay it off in the most effective way that you can, right? Yeah, typically. Okay, you attempt to do that legally, correct? I would think. Sometimes, (laughs) it's... Sometimes. I feel like, like, Eric, it would be a negotiation as to how he's going to pay people back. Okay, I, I, I can see Eric offering favors. Give it in mind, I have blacklists like everybody else. But again, negotiations would be all well and good as long as everybody leaves happy, and I don't find myself crying in the fetal position in the shower afterwards. But I, I digress. I will repeat a statement I have made many times on this show, and I think it stands for all of us: we cannot be bought. We can, however, be wrecked. Continue, Eric. Well, apparently, allegedly, <laughs> Baker and Dunbar did not think like us because they're all again, allegedly. I'm going to have to say this a lot. There was a party they decided to have after this. There was an argument. And then allegedly, there were weapons brought out. Allegedly, one of them, in conspiration with both of them, decided to rob said party guests. There was a Rolex watch, another very high-value watch, and cash allegedly stolen by these two from the party guests to help recoup with that gambling debt. Now, to his credit, Quentin Dunbar's lawyer has released a statement saying Dunbar was not involved, it was not him, etc., etc. But either way, at the very least, if you are brought up on charges like the two of them have, have the decency to, with your legal team, go ahead and turn yourselves in. They have yet to do that at the time of recording. Okay, a couple of things to touch on here. One, you are a professional athlete. Even having your names mentioned in a situation like this is an embarrassment to your profession. It should be an embarrassment to you as a human being. True. If it is even viable that you would put yourself in these circumstances, then you are a disgrace to the job that you hold. And the reason I say that is, is yeah. Sports ain't for choir boys, and I'll be the first person to say it. It was Charles Barkley who said, I am not a role model, despite the fact that you want me to be. But there is a certain amount of, and I use this word again, decorum that is expected out of a professional athlete that clearly neither of these gentlemen seem to possess in this situation, allegedly. Yeah, there's a reason you have rookie symposiums and whatnot. Ay, ay, ay. Rachel? Do you know why I like soccer more than the NFL? 
Because there are less crummy guys in MLS than there are in the NFL. Am I allowed to say that? It's more so in the stands in the MLS than it is on the field. Oh, yeah. And the ownership, ownership, like in Columbus. Let's (laughs) forget what happened with the Manchester City player who, like we were having in our offline chat, you talk about weekends that I would have. He kind of had one of those and then proceeded to do a PSA saying adhere to government guidelines for social distancing. We talked about that on our last episode. <laughs> so Make there's sure you... crumminess, just a different kind of crumminess. One that I can appreciate. <laughs> Jason, unmute your microphone before you speak up here. We're talking about the Dunbar situation the two NFL players that allegedly held up the poker game here, and it's your turn. One of them being a giant, of course. So with this hitting your team, and as, as a fan of the Giants, let me ask you this. As a fan of the Giants, what are your thoughts on your organization being dragged down for a player like this? If this was your franchise, what would be your response? It's because they're black. Views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily reflect. Stop it. (laughs) Okay. Allow me to amend that statement. The views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily reflect the rest of those members of this episode of the kickoff. Okay, that's better. (laughs) You're muted again, Jason. Try that again. God bless. I won't get a new fucking computer. And that's our third F-bomb tonight. Don't send this show to Coach. All right. (laughs) He's muted again. You're muted again, Jason. (laughs) I can can see him saying F-bombs, but I can't hear them. Oh, no, he's definitely motherfucking pretty much everything and anything at this moment right now. He, we just can't hear it, thankfully. Any chance- Did I ever show you the wonders of the little button that says the word explicit on there? I forgot to talk about that. <laughs> okay, there you go. You're unmuted, Jason. Try it now. It still says I'm muted on my end. I don't know why. Uh, it's because they're black, and... Um... That that is that is Rachel's racial uh, Rachel's profiling, and um, but no, on a serious note, uh, I, I think it's I think it's insanity. I mean, you're an NFL player. Why, why even fathom uh, having to go to that extreme? Because um, one. Um, you're going to be recognized. You're going to be known. Uh, not many players are in the NFL. I mean, you know, so you can you kind of stick out in crowds. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a lapse of judgment, um, and pure stupidity. And, I, I, I just can't believe that, you know, they would, somebody that is an NFL player that does have these contracts, is doing idiotic things. But, again, I deal with the public on a regular basis, and I do see 
where people come from. So with that being said, it's just, it's unfortunate that, you know, it did happen. Uh, it is a, it is a black mark on the franchises that they do are, they are affiliated with. And I think there was going to be some major repercussions, not only legally, but from the NFL because Goodell is the most inconsistent commissioner ever. They'll probably get a slap on the wrist and they'll probably get like community service. Yeah, the thing about it is, in the NFL, if you, if you test positive for weed, it's like six games. Not anymore. That means that these two guys who held up a poker game at gunpoint are probably going to get a game each. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. So, uh, Eric, Eric, did you see my whiteboard? Yes. Because it's an actual whiteboard, Jason, literally. Why can't it be a blackboard? Because I don't have any chalk. Close out for summer, Alice Cooper style. Why why you got why you gotta be why you gotta be like that, Eric? (laughs) Saying your whiteboard's more superior. Why? This is the same man who offered for me to go out jogging, so... <laughs> yeah, are, are, are you really... All I'm saying is I'm concerned about your well-being during the quarantine, Eric. I was going to work out with you. <laughs> God, try to, try to do something good in the world, and you guys try to flip it and make it something horrible, but we will, off, we will talk about that off-air. Would it be inappropriate for me to suggest to Jason that all lives matter? <laughs> Too soon? Okay. Duly noted. Yep. I've officially got off the rails myself tonight. Okay, so. Boy. Uh, notes edition. <laughs> I, I think that's as bad as me. Listeners that were pissed off, the kickoff <laughs> members. <laughs> The views and opinions of tonight's episode should frankly piss off every single last one of you. The three of you that still listen, we thank you. Um, the views and opinions can be directed to Brandon Biscoby. Uh, <laughs> just go back and get his Twitter handle from a previous episode and send at all hate Bisco, to him. At Bisco NMB Chiefs, direct all hate tweets to that handle. And, of course, as is tradition on this show, an all-hate email to s.garver at gmail.com. Well, no, Sean don't take No, Sean don't have this show anymore. It squarely falls on my shoulder now. So don't be sending me no emails. I'll tell you to go fuck yourself. That's four, all of which from Jason. I'm just stating for the record. What happened to Coach Jason? Craig T. Nelson is going to be best. I don't That's care. okay. He's retired and lives in Minnesota. Oh, it's Mama Watkins. Mama Watkins. Hi. See, we have another guest. So, 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 Mama, Wa- Mama Watkins, we, we, we still have not got an answer to the question, and we're still waiting. Going down that road again on air, Jason. <laughs> okay, before, before I go. Before I go into my clothes here, Rachel, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I greatly appreciate it. Where can people find you on social media? My name is spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. 
I have been given the misfortune of having two A's and having everyone spell it wrong. So you can find me on Twitter at Rachel Kruger. Two A's, not one. Uh, thanks for having me. It was fun. What are you mouthing, Jason? Uh, I'm trying to see what Eric Eric said something. He wrote in the Skype chat, but before we yeah. get to that, let's wrap yeah. up the show. Where can people find you online, Jason? Uh, at TurkeyGlue822 on Twitter. I'll uh, discuss any fantasy football. If I don't like you, I'll tell you to go fuck yourself. Uh, Five. Haven't, haven't, haven't been doing that lately. Uh, I've been pretty, pretty... Pretty tame doing some, uh, you know, fantasy football. Some dynasty uh, leagues have started drafting. So been pretty active on Twitter lately and letting people know, uh, getting some polls and stuff up, up on Twitter and some rookie rankings because a lot of, um, like I said, a lot of dynasty, tra- uh, dynasty trades and dynasty drafts have started kicking up due to everything, uh, everything going on. And you know, people trying to trying to pass the time to get some kind of sports relevance. So um, just look me up there. Um, also, Turk eight twenty two on, I think it's Turk eight twenty two on um, Instagram. Uh, that's more or less my personal. Uh, if not, you can just kind of search for me. If you put Turk eight twenty two, I might hell I might pop up. I don't even know my Instagram name. That's how professional I am. But Turkey Glue 822 is probably where the, you're going to get the most activity out of me currently on Twitter. Eric, working? No. Don't step on my gimmick here. Se- second of all, it was the not so silent owner of the W2M network last week. Although now, effective next week, I'm changing it once again. We are going to we are going to be joined by the unprofessional Jason Teasley. Hey, that's fine. I'm, if the, sh- if the I'm, shoe fits, lace that bitch up and wear it. I'm about I'm about as professional as an amateur porn star. Okay, that's enough about Eric's personal life. Let's get back to Eric giving his his social medias. That, that was that's a segue. A segue before Eric gives yours. Mama Watkins, is she still in the room? Yes. Where can, Where we, can find we find her you on social media, Mama Watkins? She doesn't have social media. She tried. You son of a bitch! <laughs> Look, she tried Man. Facebook for a while, but even though I did warn her, I mean, not to mention, I tried getting her set up with the Twitter, but she barely decided to tweet because she was Whoa. like, it wasn't worth the effort. You know, I, I could see it now. It's going to be like Mama Watkins would have a Facebook page. It would be like all of us. <laughs> just like give a shout out to Mama Watkins, and it, it wouldn't have to be like her actual name. It would have to be Mama Watkins as a name. You want me to have a Facebook? I mean, we could make that happen if you so desire. Eric, <laughs> hey, you already got to be on fan base. It, it it could just be for you to interact with the four of us. Ah, yeah. Okay. There we go. She's in. You heard it. All right, Eric, where can people find you we online? Have, we have coffee. Let it be known for the record that these decisions are not considered legally binding and could not be upheld in any court of law, <laughs> television or otherwise. <laughs> oh, no. That, this doesn't happen. We're taking her to Judge Jerry. Now, continue, Eric. Where can people find you online? Who the fuck is Judge Jerry? 
She was Thank you very much. I would take it. I would. I would keep it appropriate. We go to Judge Joe Brown. Love you guys. Woo! Go us. All right, Eric. Where can people find you on social? Uh, at Squid Sports Head on Twitter. I, if I can actually get around to doing it more often, I will be going ahead and doing some different live tweeting, especially for most of the match that's going to be on FS1 between Eintracht and uh, Mönchengladbach. I'll probably go ahead and be live tweeting that, so stay tuned. And if you want to talk to me on Facebook, wander into different parts of my mind, go ahead and message me. Look for Eric Watkins, especially if you need any help with tutoring. Just remember, if you see the guy in the recliner holding the wine, you got the right guy. And naturally, if you're willing to, on Twitter, slide into my DMs and undergo a thorough vetting process, you will be able to gain access to my other accounts like Telegram, Dark Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and various other devices. This plug brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC. This plug brought to you by Eric's Anus. For the record, I'm just going to uh, state this: when we get to episode, when we get to episode 138, we are totally calling that the kickoff ex- episode 69 squared. Eric does Eric does Dallas. <laughs> we're, we're making this happen, and I'm going to get that theme song played come hell or high water. I didn't know. That, I didn't know we was bringing Eric's uh, lever into this. Okay. Hey, 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 Jason, you know better. They don't call Dallas the big D for nothing. Well, I mean, if if he if he does it for you, you can call him whatever you want. All right. I'll, but it's, for those of you who don't know, we do this as a video podcast in order to ensure that we try not to talk over each other as much as possible. Rachel just facepalmed. Rachel, congratulations. You're now one of us. I don't know whether to be excited or scared. A little bit of both is the correct answer to that. You can find me on Facebook at Barry Broder. Shut up, Watkins. Stop. You can find me on Facebook, Harry Broadhurst. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I actually know mine because I'm a goddamn professional. At H-E-B the Eagle. You can find the site online at w2mnet.com. We want to thank everybody for listening. And if there is any better way to pay tribute to the ball buster that was Steve Fish, I can't think of it other than tonight's episode of The Kickoff. We thank you for listening to our News and Notes episode. We will hopefully be back at you soon with the next edition of the greatest of all teams, the AFC North. So for our special guest co-hostess, Miss Rachel Krieger for the unprofessional and not so silent owner, Jason Teasley and the executive producer turned co-host Eric Watkins. My name is Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff. We are a presentation of the W2M network online at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, Castbox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is here. And, and Eric's here. black. 
<laughs> and G- Jones is a dick. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next time here on The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network.